Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Doug Hill, I'm the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within and I uh, hope you've had a great uh, week and uh, it's uh, exciting times on the market at this point in time. So if you haven't seen uh, my market reports on YouTube, just go to YouTube uh, and just search for Wealth Within TV. Every Monday I do a Australian stock market report, a US stock market report. Um, actually I'm interviewed on a, a, well interviewed in the US by a gentleman called Jim Beach. Um, which is syndicated across 25 radio stations across the U.S., and he puts it out as a, a podcast as well. So um, it, that happens every single Monday. So you get some real insights into what's going on into the U.S., and I think that's fantastic that uh, we get, you know, oh, well, I get to get interviewed by Jim, and we get insights into the U.S. economy and what things are going on here. But that's not what I wanted to talk about today. Today is a little bit different. Um, over the years, I've been doing podcasts, which is probably, geez, probably 15 years I've been doing podcasts. I um, regularly would do, uh, do some podcasts based on the ASX shareholder survey. This is a survey that the ASX have done every two years since I think the 80s. I can't remember how long it is, but it's a long time. And pretty much when the new one came out, I always did the did a, a series of podcasts on it, just showing the findings of those. And I haven't done one for quite a few years, actually, probably three or four years. I haven't done one. So I have thought I've been meaning to do this for quite a while, actually. I think probably best part of 12 months I've been thinking about doing another one just to see what's going on here. So today I finally printed it up. It's 80-something pages long. All you've got to do, if you want to get a copy of the report yourself, really simple, go to Google, type in AS shareholder survey that's pretty much it and a link to the ASX will come up the page uh, will come up and you can download this survey and have a really good look at it and I really do suggest you do it because simply it is it tells you where people are making mistakes because um, as we know a lot of people well, the majority of people get average returns on their investing so when you look at what people are doing the majority of people are doing all you got to do is don't do what they do it's pretty simple. It's like I talk about with traders, and I often say that the majority of traders don't make money. 70% lose, 20% break even, and only 10% like me make money consistently. And so all you got to do is figure out, have a look at what they do, and then don't do that. Only do what the top 10% do. So what is in this ASX shareholder survey? Well, I'm going to go through a few different things. I'm not going to go through the whole 88 pages today, so you don't have to you know, panic that I'm going to go heavily into detail. I'm just going to discuss a few things, and I might do a couple of podcasts on this because, as I said, to me it's really important that the majority of people don't know how ignorant they are, and I'm trying to be respectful for that. And they, there's an old saying that information is... Or, 
information is one thing, education is another. And a lot of us are bombarded, or majority of us are bombarded with information, but we don't know what to do with that. Um, and that's broadly right across the board there. And so what we find, though, is with people with uh, with financial education is a lot of people think, oh, it's all too hard. I'll just keep it simple. I'll just duck my head in the sand and I'll just keep my superannuation fund. And that's it. But that's not really looking after yourself. Now, I would suggest to you that interest is dead. Simple. We have low interest rates in Australia. We've had very low interest rates in Australia for quite a few years, and we'll have very low interest rates in Australia for quite a few years to come. So if you're relying on fixed income or interest from a bank, whether it be a term deposits, bank account, you are seriously behind the eight ball, and you're getting returns worse than inflation. So actually, your money is going backwards. So if you're going to be relying on that over the next coming years, then you seriously need to have a think about what you're doing with your investing. Now I'm just going to have a drink of water. And let's get into some of the findings. Now, this survey is done, I think there was 4,000 odd people that it was surveyed. Now, Deloitte's did this survey for them. Um, if I can read that rightly, it was Deloitte's um, did the survey for them. And excuse my paper rustling, but uh, the top 10 findings, and I'll just go through those today, just the top 10 findings that they had. Um, it says 60% of Australian adults, or 11.2 million people, and sorry, I forgot to tell you, this survey was from 2007. So right now they'd be doing another survey to be released now. It was generally always released, I believe, near the end of the year, probably October, November. So this one was from 2007. That's how long since I've done this. Um, but as I said, the top 10 findings are 60% of Australian adults or 11.2 million people hold investments outside of their institutional superannuation fund. So that's normal, you work super. 60% of Australian adults hold investments. I remember it said the word is investments. So they're actually investing in something else. Now, another one is more and more young people are investing outside their institutional superannuation funds. It says over the last five years, the proportion of 18 to 24-year-olds investing has doubled from 10 to 20%. And this could be from a, that sort of proliferation of these sort of new apps, you know, like Acorns and things like that, um, you know, where they round up and all those little things that's happening over the last few years. Um, it's also saying the proportion of 25 to 34-year-olds, so the next bracket, so the first one was 10 to 20% growth in the 18 to 24-year-olds. Now, the proportion of 25 to 34-year-olds has increased from 24 to 39% investing in outside their institutional superannuation funds. Now, I think that's fantastic. Um, the other thing could be because of exchange-traded funds. So that would be my guess is exchange-traded funds have really helped them uh, or get people invested into it because I've seen a huge growth in those in the last couple of years. Now, you know my thoughts on ETF. I mean, if it's an index ETF, you may as well forget about it. It's just not going to get you the returns. Find the top 10 stocks will. So looking at this, we also see that 37% uh, of Australian adults or 6.9 million people hold investments that are available through a financial exchange. Now, what it means by financial exchange here is that it's an exchange traded something. So again, that's where ETFs are exchange traded because the ASX is in the middle of it. So that's what they mean by a financial exchange. And uh, when obviously on this report, they're talking about the ASX. So looking at that, 31% of Australian adults hold shares. 
7% of Australian adults hold derivatives, and derivatives are such things as options, um, and 11% hold other on-exchange investments. Again, uh, that 11% is probably exchange-traded funds. Uh, the next one of these top 10 findings is on-exchange investments are more common investments investment choice than cash or property. So on-exchange meaning, again, the ASX. Um, 62% of investors hold on-exchange investors. 56% of investors hold cash, and 37% of investors hold investment property. So 37% of people surveyed hold an investment property. So it's not only, you know, one, nearly four in 10 people have an investment property. Moving along, self-managed superannuation funds, or SMSFs, uh, will use will continue to grow with 30% of Australian adults that do not currently use a self-managed super fund planning uh, they are planning to set one up in the future. So 30% of Australian adults that don't currently have an SMSF are planning to set one up in the future. 15% um, of adults claim to have a self-managed super fund. I do. 13% um, of adults without a self-managed super fund are planning to establish one within the next year. I wonder if that happened. And then 8% are planning on establishing one within the next 13 to 24 months or before the next survey. It's been interesting to see that because there's been a little bit of a trend of the last 12 months-ish where more super funds are shutting down um, and more advisors are advising people to shut them down. And I've seen a few chat posts um, or things through industry magazines and uh, other investment type of blogs, so to speak, saying, you know, people are shutting them down, my advisor's advising me to shut it down, the costs are too high, the returns are too low. And that's probably, well, the returns might be low if you're in cash, but if you're in the stock market, no, they wouldn't be. And costs aren't that high. The issue is the industry has with self-managed super funds is they lose control over your money. Um, and I agree with that. The, the money should be in your control. So by having a self-managed super fund, you determine what's going on. And the fees for running a self-managed super fund aren't that high. As long as you understand what you're doing, the investments will deliver a very good return. And as I said, uh, if you just bought and held the top 10 stocks, you'd be beating any ETF out there. And you'd be pretty much beating all the man all the self all the managed super funds. And uh, regardless of whether they're an industry fund or not, you'd be just doing better. Uh, and so me, that's why self-managed super funds do make sense to have from that point of view. Uh, next point is 84% of lapsed investors intend returning to investors. Now, lapsed investors are those who got burnt during the GFC in my book. Uh, a lot of those people got burnt big time in the GFC. A lot of people that were buy and hold uh, using uh, managed funds all got burnt and they're, they're planning to return. And we're seeing that at the moment, the last sort of 12-ish to 12 to 18 months. We've seen a big influx into our direct equity managed account service and Janine has been really busy with a lot of people and we had a lot of people that closed their accounts um, in the GFC just because they were worried about it, not because we were losing the money. We actually was protecting their money, I think, uh, for memory, I mean, that was 11, 12 years ago, the amount we we were well out of the market uh, before the big falls happened. We were actually, I think we were 60% in cash before the peak of the market, and we were 100% in cash uh, for our clients within weeks of the market falling away. So our people didn't lose much, but we had a lot of people that were panicking, closed their accounts and went for the hills and went into managed funds or did whatever else did they did. And we had a lot of them saying to us where they went, 
they didn't do very well at all and they'd lost money by going elsewhere. Um, but those people are all coming back now. We're seeing a lot of clients returning to us because we achieved huge returns for them. Um, and those who stayed with us have done very, very well. Um, but at this point in time, as I said, we're seeing a lot more people coming back into the marketplace. Now, it's, there's an old saying, you know, the amateurs buy at the top and the uh, professionals buy at the bottom. But we're not at the top yet, but we're moving up, which is great. Um, it also says 41% intend to return in the next two years. So I wonder if that actually happened. So 41% of that 84%. Uh, the next one is 60% of all investors use some form of professional advice, whether it's a financial planner, full service broker, accountant, and or lawyer to help them make investment decisions. So six out of 10 people seek professional ad- uh, advice. Um, and so, which is fine if that's what people want to do. So just understanding, I'm not understanding why a lawyer has to be involved in financial advice, but hey, I'm not sure whether lawyers are the right people to go, but accountants and financial planners, yeah, accountants, not necessarily the best for investment decisions, but hey, they can help you work out some of the numbers as well. But, um, but let's move on. Uh, the next one of these top 10 findings is disconnect between investor risk profiles and their return expectations. That was an interesting title to me when I looked at that. I went, wow, that's interesting in terms of, I often, I know that's the case. I know a lot of people tell me what their risk profile is, but they're, what they expect is a return never measures up and often people are incongruent with what they're trying to do. So they're fearful of making a loss, but then they want a lot. Then you can't have it both ways all the time. The more risk you take, the more money you make, basically. But you've got to actually balance out that risk. So this one of the top 10, as I said, was one of the most interesting ones for me. Now here's the statistics. 81% of investors under 35 are seeking guarantee or stable investment returns. 81% of under 35s. Interesting, because young investors are more risk adverse than older investors, because you've got time. If you lose your money, you've got time to get it back up. But here it says 81% of investors under 35 are seeking guaranteed returns or stable returns. 41% of investors over 55 are comfortable with some variability in their returns. Interesting. And 21% of the most risk adverse investors expect returns over 10%. 21% of, of, of the most risk adverse. So that's the people that like to take on the most risk expect returns over 10%. Just buy and hold the top 10 stocks on the Australian market and you make 10%. So I'm not sure why. That's where I see this incongruency with what we know, or sorry, what people think and what's actual reality and really without being rude to anybody this is you if you're listening to this this is average australia um and i know lots of people average australians listen to this podcast but i would suggest that this is the same around the world it wouldn't be too different in the statistics so the most risk adverse so the ones that like to take on the most risk risk expect returns over 10 percent. geez i expect that every single year um, the next one is diversification is still not well understood. Just buy my book, Accelerate Your Wealth. It's your money, your choice. Diversification is still not well understood. And I 100% know that. Um, if you've been watching my live YouTube show about a month ago, I think roughly, I um, did a portfolio review for one of the viewers. I asked people um, to send in their portfolios and I would pick one. Out of all the portfolios, not one of them was diversified properly. Not one. 
completely all of them were out of whack. And I find that's the case. If I asked you to send your portfolio in, unless you're one of our students, I'm pretty much all you've read my book, but I pretty much guarantee your diversification is completely wrong. And this is interesting. So let's go here. Diversification is still not well understood. 46% of investors claim to be diversified and they hold 2.7 investment products. They're not even close to being diversified. How can you be diversified with 2.7 investment products? 40% of investors say they do not have diversified portfolios and they hold 1.6 investment products. So the ones with 2.7 investment products means you're diversified according to this, or according to them, sorry. So one more product, they're diversified, they're not. Um, here we go. Also, no, 15% of investors don't know if they're diversified. And 75% of share owners, here's the big one, only hold Australian shares, which is fine, but that doesn't mean you're not diversified. So if you only hold Australian shares, I'm you can be well diversified just holding Australian shares. But it shares, this shows to me that most people don't really understand diversification and how the market works. So there we go. We've got one more to do, I believe. So we've, we're going through them. Uh, the next one is 40% of investors holding on exchange investments. So on exchange, meaning they're listed on the exchange, transacted in the last 12 months. So 40% of people who have investments in or through the Australian Stock Exchange or ASX have transacted in the last 12 months. 65% traded, traded using non-advice brokers or online trading platforms. I'll say that again, 65% use non-advice brokers or online trading platforms. So I wonder how they figured out what shares they're buying and selling. 42% of share owners have traded in the last 12 months and 71% of investors that traded in the last 12 months made fewer than 10 trades. And that's okay. But it's interesting. So there's the top 10 of the findings within that survey. Now, when I go into this report in a little bit more detail, I'm going to pull out some stuff about diversification, about where people find information from or who, where they get their advice. And I can guarantee you the findings for you will be very, very surprising. But it's, from my point of view, I see people who are, for want of a better way, um, saying they're quite delusional about how the market works or it doesn't work. And there are a lot of myths and misconceptions that people have that keep them broke. Now, to loop back to what I said at the start of this podcast, if you are in interest, if you're sitting all your money in interest, and you believe interest is the way to go, then you are not doing the right thing by your money. Interest is dead. So fixed interest products are dead. And as we said here, a lot of people want uh, that fixed guarantee. Now, next week on the next podcast, I'll share with you how many people want a guaranteed return, and it's fairly high who want very high, very stable returns and fixed returns. It's a very high percentage of people, but you need to get that out of your head. You need to get look at risk in terms of only, it, to me, it's with the stock market, with exchange-traded products. As long as you protect the downside, the rest let it go. So trying to get a guaranteed return will cost you dearly in your wealth creation. Uh, I think I now said it properly. If you're wanting to put your money in turn deposits and cash products to get a return, yes, it's guaranteed, but you're going backwards. That's really what I'm trying to say. So hopefully you've enjoyed this first little take on the ASX shareholder survey. 
Um, I look forward to chatting with you next week. But as I said, if you haven't read my book, Accelerate Your Wealth, It's Your Money, Your Choice, get into your local bookstore and say, hey, Dale said I've got to buy this book. It's his book. Um, and I really do need to learn to, to read it so I understand diversification, how to buy and sell, and how to really manage my portfolio properly. Because um, when I say the market's going to be really exciting over the coming year, I mean it's going to be really exciting and you're going to be able to make a lot of money if you are looking after your portfolio management, your risk, your diversification properly. If you don't, then you're going to miss out. Uh, and that's pretty much as simple as it is. But anyway, you've been listening to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale I'm the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Take care. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.